anger subsided yet, or are we still pissed this morning? It's hard to shake. You watch a, um, a full weekend of football with teams that you start to envy. Like, I watch Buffalo's offense. I'm envious. There's a lot that happened over the weekend, including this Monday night game between the uh, Raiders and the Chiefs that were intriguing and will be intriguing, but some of the news from over the weekend that might help explain some of the things that we saw Thursday night. Russell Wilson has a injury to that shoulder. Now, Marty, if you remember, and I think I was starting to annoy Vic and Mosier because I kept mentioning this. I was like, he has a shoulder injury, injury to his throwing shoulder. And are we downplaying this a bit? Because that seems like that's not ideal, correct? That you have a shoulder injury to the thing that you use to move the football forward. Now, this is not an excuse. And to be honest with you, I have a hard time really trying to deal with and evaluate stuff like this now. I mean, we just went over this a couple weeks ago when Tua had the, the head injury. And he played through it. Or when somebody is hurt in playing through an injury. Like, there's so many different avenues that we take. And uh, if you play poorly, none of them are positive. And I get the reasoning behind it. But Russell Wilson's shoulder is hurt. He doesn't look right on Thursday. You know, some that lollipop interception, the... The way that he was missing guys and maybe not looking down the field as much or overthrowing Jerry Judy when he's wide open two different times. It wasn't all bad, though. I mean, he completed some passes. He wasn't completely inept. I know, but that's what makes this difficult is, I mean, he had some sort of procedure that happened after the game on Thursday to that shoulder. So it obviously was bothering him enough for that to happen. Wasn't it just a shot? Like, he just got some... It wasn't like he wasn't surgery. Well, according to let me take a look at this again. He underwent a procedure on the right throwing shoulder. So maybe it was a shot. I don't know what it is. The point is he had some type of injury. And like I said, it's hard for me to do this because. We're asses when it comes to the way that we evaluate people playing through injury or with an injury. Because if they play through it and they play poorly, we're like, you're terrible. And if they don't, we say you're soft. Like, there's really no winning unless you just play through an injury and you kick butt, right? Would you rather be terrible or soft? Uh, I'm As far as... <laughs> it's a tough question because I would rather not look bad at my job. I told you guys, I, I'm not in the game anymore of criticizing somebody who say they're hurt and not playing. So if Russell Wilson were to come Thursday you know, morning, he would say, my shoulder's just, I'm not feeling it. I'm not going to play. I'm not going to bash somebody for that. In the same way I didn't with Jamal last year when the Nuggets were in the playoffs, they're playing the Warriors, and I'm like, if he says he's not ready to go, then I don't want him out there. I don't want somebody who's not confident in his abilities playing. But if you do play, I have to judge you for it. Because I don't, are you, are you 50%? Are you 90%? Which one is it? 
Like some guys you can just tell. In the Stanley Cup Finals, Marty, you could tell Kadri and a whole bunch of people were not 100%. But Kadri still made a big play to win you a game. So that might offset some of the criticisms you have throughout the rest of the game when stuff like that goes down. But the fact that Russell played through this and was on the field, that's the only thing I can judge. And fact of the matter is, he kind of lost you the game on Thursday. And now moving forward, you ask the question of where do you go from here? When it comes to Russell, when it comes to Hackett, when it comes to George Payton, the big question I have, and I can't believe we're doing this five weeks in, but here we are. I mean, is Hackett kind of on a hot seat already? Because I think you can make a strong argument for it. Now, I don't personally think so. I don't think that they're going to get rid of a coach after a year. I don't think they're going to do it. Hot seat in terms of, like, if you don't shape up in the next several weeks, you're gone, or we'll give you the year, and then you're gone. No, no, for, like, he'll, he'll coach the season. Like, they're going to fire him midway through unless he pulls an Urban Meyer and we find Nathaniel Hackett at a bar with some 40-year-old blonde chick. And then he's uh, he goes to practice the next day and then kicks McManus in the nads. Like, if he does that, then, yeah, you fire him midseason. I'm talking about at the end of this year, is there a possibility he could be a one-and-done coach? And I still mentally, I can't get to the point where I think the Broncos would actually make a change after a single season and start this thing over again. But if I had to make an argument for it, here's what it would be. Let's say the season continues this way. The offense puts up 16 points a game for the entire year. Marty, there's no time to waste. Russell Wilson is not 25 years old. Okay, He's not old, old, but he's aging. The window on this is very short. The ownership was not in place by the time he was hired. Would I imagine that throughout all of this, they kind of knew that that was the owner and did they wink, wink, nudge, nudge, run it by them first and be like, this is the guy we're hiring? I don't think they could ever, like, say no. But they probably at least said something to him. The point is, if I'm the Walton Penner Group, Marty, and I just paid a whole bunch of money, not just for the entire franchise, that $4.65 billion, but I just ponied up $240 million for an extension for Russell Wilson. I'm not going to sit here and waste three years on a coach I don't believe in. Make sense? And so, again, the likelihood of that going down, I think, is minuscule. I think it's very small. Things would have to go really poorly over the next 12 weeks, 13 weeks for that to actually come to fruition to the point where they would say, I have zero belief and hope that this is ever going to change. But I think it it's there. It exists. It's not like it's impossible. You know, it's funny. Watching games over the weekend. Because the Broncos have been in prime time repeatedly to start this season, you've seen the massive, massive criticisms that have been lobbed at Hackett and Russell Wilson. Russell, no matter what is going to be here, there's no getting out of this contract, guys. So whether you think he sucks or not, whether you think he's washed, I think I still have a lot of hope that this thing could turn around because I have a hard time believing that just over the course of a year, Russell has just fallen off a cliff. Remember, two years ago, we had 40 touchdowns, okay? 
I, I can't imagine a scenario where that just dissipated when he's, what, 33? I don't think so. But the criticisms that have been lofted at both of them, and we'll get to some of the ones that are coming for Russell now that are more personal than they are professional, it feels like. But between him and Hackett, they have been under the microscope because they have been in primetime television for now, what, three of the first five games going on four heading into next Monday? You get to see everything with a very, very intimate eye. Said this earlier this, uh, this past week. Almost always, when it comes to your local team, locally you are tougher on that team than they are nationally. Because you, you're there. You get to evaluate every single decision. Nobody on any sort of talking head show this morning is going to be discussing a play that happened in the second quarter that was a dumb decision by a head coach, unless it was in the middle of prime time. And here's my example, Marty. You know who I think is a moron and deserves the exact same amount of criticism as Nathaniel Hackett does? Because this guy ain't no spring chicken to this anymore. It's not year one for him. It's not his first time head coaching gig five weeks in. Brandon Staley's an idiot. Like, repeatedly, he's made atrociously dumb decisions. And a lot of this gets overlooked because you know what? He's pretty good at a microphone. Remember that last year, that four-week stretch for where every week was a new Brandon Staley genius philosopherism where he steps to the podium or like, man, look how smart this guy is. But then you watch him coach, and it's like, what exactly makes this guy a genius? Defensive-minded head coach still has a bad defense. It was, what, the third or fourth worst defense in the NFL last year. They missed the playoffs when Justin Herbert played that way last season. They could have gone to the playoffs if they just let the Raiders go to a tie the last week of the season like they tried to, and you ruined it. And then this week, I don't know if you guys happened to catch the game because it wasn't in prime time. End of the game. They are at their own 46-yard line with... Make sure I got all my details right here. They're up two at their own 46 with a minute 13 left in the game. And they decide to go for it on fourth down. They miss, puts the Browns in field goal position with a 10-yard pass, which the Browns hit, but they miss the game-winning field goal, so the Chargers get that win 30-28. to And you know what, Marty? If Cleveland doesn't miss the field goal, and if that game's on prime time, we're talking about how stupid he is. But those two things flipped, and now he gets to walk scot-free. And I think with Hackett, All of these decisions have been in prime time. The poor performances have been in prime time. And you know what else? Justin Herbert makes up for a lot of problems that Brandon Staley has. And Russell Wilson hasn't yet. And there's a lot I want to talk about kind of on that subject of, you know, I wondered before the season, if this went poorly, how would it look? 
and you have had a giant witch's brew that has just been stirring with new ingredients being added every week of this thing basically having every detail you could you could hope for if you were wishing for the demise of this Broncos experience, it's all come together through five weeks. And we'll get to it in a second. So 303-504-0925, Shant Maz, the text line, Maxim Bet, uh, Maxim Bet listener line, back at three. Mosher, Lombardi, and Kane. Next at seven. Right now, here's Brett. Presented by Barstool Sportsbook at Ameristar Casino Blackhawk. So again, let's flash back to before the season started. I've let you guys know this multiple times. If you were somebody out there that was expecting the playoffs, you should have been. See, I'm not going to chastise anybody for having expectations and then being pissed off right now with where the Broncos are at at 2-3 and three and the things looking the way they've looked. Because, Marty, if you pay somebody $240 million, why is that not a reasonable expectation? Why? You make this trade, you give away multiple first-round picks, a whole bunch of players, all this different stuff, and then you pay this guy a quarter billion dollars on top of it. Why wouldn't I expect this team to be a playoff team? Even in a tough division, tough conference, all that nonsense. We all know. The point is, if it's not, you know, it's kind of the same way I feel about the Nuggets right now. Let's say the Nuggets stay healthy this season, Marty. Why would I not expect Western Conference Finals? If it's not now, then when's it going to be? What are they missing? At some point, you have to draw the line and say, okay, it's time. You know, Legwald made a good point when we talked to him last week. The timeline of the fan base and the timeline of maybe people within that building are different. George Payton's probably looking at this like, hey, man, it's my year two. It's my coach's year one. If you thought this was going to be a Super Bowl season, then you're nuts. And then you ask the fan base, it's like, hey, bro, we've been waiting a while already. Okay? We've been waiting a while, and you make this big splash move for a quarterback. What do you mean, wait longer? Regardless of that, though, I don't know. We haven't heard from George Payton, Marty. I think that happens during the bye week, right? That's always when the GM kind of talks. Gives you a little state of the union on the franchise. My guess is George Payton ain't happy either, because even if they expected this to take some time, they didn't expect it to look like that. They didn't expect this offensive struggle when you hired an offensive-minded head coach. So having those playoff expectations before the, the season starts, totally cool with me. You should be thinking that way. Now, I remember a couple of weeks before the season actually kicked off, I said, if this were to go bad, how would it look? How would it look? And I even thought, you know, this is maybe where I was foolish. Maybe I didn't give enough credence to the idea of a first-year head coach. But I was like, even if the coaching is a struggle to start, it shouldn't be something that tanks you. And you want an example of it, Marty? Mike McDaniel's in year one. Miami seems to be okay. I mean, I know that they've struggled now with Tua out, but when Tua was in, they were doing fine. Brian Dable in New York, they're 4-1. and one. The New York Giants are 4-1 and one after a win in London against the Packers. That's a year one head coach. With Daniel Bleeping Jones 
as this quarterback. So I still, first-year head coach, let's chill on that. I see some guys having success out there in year one. But if I were to make this concoction of things that if you put these all together, this is how it could go poorly. So first-year head coach, Marty, that doesn't, it's taking him a while to figure it out. That's one thing. Secondly, Russell Wilson not looking like the Russell Wilson you paid for is another one. Because he certainly hasn't been that. What's the grand total? Is it six touchdowns through five weeks? Yeah, that's not what anybody expected for this uh, when this year started. But here's the third one, and this one's important because this is now a long-standing problem the Broncos are going to have. Every team deals with injuries. But, man, I don't know if anybody's got this. Just to run through the, uh, the docket here of injuries suffered to the Broncos roster. You want to make a recipe for why things would go poorly? I got one for you. Marty, your number one quarterback seems to be hurt, playing through it. Your number one running back is out for the year. Your number two wide receiver is out for the year. Your number two tight end that you drafted in the third round has been out for the first five weeks. Don't know when he's coming back. Your number one left tackle is out for the year. Your number one right guard has barely played this season due to injury. Your number one right tackle has not played yet this season due to injury. Your number two edge rusher is out for six to eight weeks. Your number one inside linebacker, Josie Jewell, has been mostly off the field, barely on it, and now back off again. Your number two corner is out for the season. Your number one safety has been out for most of the year. Even your long snapper is going to be out for about six to eight weeks now. Stop the fight, Brett. This isn't fair. That's what I'm saying, though. On the injured reserve right now, do you know how much money they have committed to guys who are on the IR at the moment? $72 million of their salary cap is on injured reserve. That's the recipe that gets you this. And you know what? I know we've talked about this a lot. All I'm saying to Nathaniel Hackett right now is this. Next year, if your plan is let's try and get through training camp healthy, screw that plan. If you got some other reason not to play, guys, fine. I don't think there is one. But if it's just for sake of health, look at your roster right now. We are barely a quarter of the way through the season. Barely. And that... 72 million bucks is on injured reserve. You put all that together, poor coaching from a first-year coach, quarterback who's not living up to his expectation, and the amount of injuries that you've suffered this year, that's how you get the results we've been seeing. Now, for some of these guys, will they be back? Yeah, at some point, you'll get Simmons back. I would like to say at some point Billy Turner is going to play. He was active in this last game. We just haven't seen him yet. No, will Gregory be back? You'd think so. Will Miners be back? You'd think so. The point is, there's just a whole bunch of guys that have been out of the lineup this year. And we don't really know when the return date is for any of them. 
And now what you have to do is try and keep pace. Even if the Chargers luck their way into a win, well, they won again. You know, there was a stat regarding the Chargers, by the way, just real quick, that I saw from Jake Trotter. Since 2019, the Chargers are 2-14 and 14 in games they've trailed by at least 14 points. They are 2-0 and against the Browns and 0-14 against everybody else. So I guess they just have Cleveland's number. What are you going to say, Marty? Well, as does everybody. Uh, so are you rooting for the Chiefs tonight to put away the Raiders? Because you're not going to catch the Chiefs, so you might as well just let them ascend to the top of the division and beat the Raiders? What do you think? No. I, I, I want the Chiefs to lose. Look, if you want to get to where you want to go, the Raiders shouldn't matter anyway. So whether they win or not, or, or whether, yeah, whether they get another W in the win column, it should mean nothing to you. I mean, the Raiders win tonight. They're two and three. Who cares? Why does that matter? They should be in the rearview mirror regardless of that. I want to stop the Chiefs from winning football games. If you're, put it this way, Marty, as bad as this is, if the Chiefs lose to the Raiders tonight, you're a game back of the division lead. That's it. Even with a two and three record, you're a game back. I want the Raiders to win. It just feels so far-fetched to be trying to win the division at this point. Like, oh, I get it. And look, I, I don't mean realistic. It, I don't know? mean it quite like that. But as long as teams are are still just mashed into this about 500 record five weeks in, I mean, 12 teams in the NFL are two and three right now. 12. Playoffs aren't done and out of the question. But if the Broncos continue to play their pl- play the way that they're playing, it's not going to matter anyway. I mean, like a texture says, yeah, this season is over, on to the next. I'm not throwing in the towel at two and three five weeks into the season. I will agree with everybody. If I were to put money down, I would put a lot of money on them missing the playoffs. The point is it's not done yet. I, I'm still holding out hope that this offense finds itself because what the hell else am I going to do? If this offense stays this way for the next, what is it, 13 weeks, guys? This isn't a 2022 problem. This is a 23, 24, 25, 26, 27 problem that you're going to have Russell here the whole time for. So I am not willing just to, if you throw in the towel on this season, then you're throwing in the towel on pretty much everything. I remember asking this question after the 2-2 two and two start. Do you believe the offense can turn this around or not? And the way that question really translates is, do you think that Russell Wilson is washed or not? And at 33, I'm just not buying it yet. 303-504-0925. You want to shoot us a text on the Shop Mazda text line? The hotline's open for you. There's just, again, I mean, we're... Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, four days removed from the last time they played, and I still have so much that's rattling around my big, stupid head. You know what I can't get out of my head? When Nathaniel Hackett said he got approval to go for it on fourth down. That's yeah. just That just keeps coming right back to me. That is ridiculous. Can we go for it? You're the head coach. You do not seek approval. You seek advice. Okay. You just, you don't, you don't even do that. You just say, here's what we're doing. 
I'm in charge. I, no, I'm totally fine with a collaborative effort where you ask people's opinions on things, but you get the final say. Like, Marty, if you're president, should we start a war with this country? You don't just say, well, I think we should, so let's do it. You go to your chiefs, you go to your sergeants, you go to your big-time military heads, and you guys say, let's work through some pros and cons here. They give you their takes, and then you take that all and you go, now here's my decision. But it's mine, my decision. That's great, but if you had 40 seconds on the play clock to know if you're going to go to war or not, then, yeah, I would defer to whoever's in charge. Understood. But if it's just a quick, like, hey, I'm not feeling this one, the coach can easily be like, well, I am, so tough. 303-504-0925. Again, uh, still a lot to get to with the Broncos. I I get some stuff on the Nuggets and the Avs. The Avs open up this Wednesday as they will hang the banner for game one of this opening season. Take a look around the league. All of that in just a few minutes. Stick around. To me. 303-504-0925. The Shop Mazda text line. You got to pick up a phone and text that. Shop Mazda. One price, one person, one hour. All right, a couple of texts coming through here. Obviously, that was an analogy, but quite literally the dumbest possible analogy you could have. Should we go to war? I'll ask my sergeants. I have 40 seconds. All right, fine. It was bad. Another texture. Just so you know, they discussed those with generals, not sergeants. Okay, I get it. You know what? I had 40 seconds to make an analogy. That's the best thing that I had. My apologies. If only you had Jerry Rusberg in your ear. You know, they should decide whether we go to war or not. Put a poll on my Twitter account. That's how we should do it. Should we nuke them? <laughs> yes. And then your options are yes or no. You have to go to at Brett Kane Radio on Twitter. If you don't have a Twitter, you got to make one. That's from now on. If President Kane was residing, that's how we decide. A true democracy. I do that for all of my policies. I would say, what do you guys want? Ice cream Wednesday? Where ice cream is free every single Wednesday to everybody? Poll question. Should we do it? Is it worth the tax money? And then you guys would vote majority rules. See, that's being a true man of the people, Marty. I let you decide everything. Tough decisions in life. You imagine if I was president in 2020, should we have mask mandates? Oh, what a poll question that would be. The comments would be a nightmare. No, no, I turn the comments off. Hey, you're a man of the people. Let them speak. They get to do that on their own stuff, okay? I'm not having my thing littered with all of your nonsense underneath. Somebody's, because here's what happens, Marty. It's not so much the debate. What I would get annoyed by is the guy who's trying to plug his mixtape on SoundCloud that's just randomly in there. I'm like, hey, this ain't for you. This isn't the point here. It's not why I'm doing this. You take your promotion somewhere else. You go to a Justin Bieber post for that. Trying to make things happen. First poll question. Should I be referred to as King Kane as opposed to President Kane? Yes or no? I hate when you give yourself power like this. 
Because it just snowballs so quickly. I mean, it does. I, I would I would be so drunk with power if I was president. I can't even describe to you guys. Everybody likes to think, you know what? If I were in position of power, you know what I would do? I'd look out for everybody, including uh, mostly the little people out there that are overlooked. And you know what I would say? I'm the captain now. New rule. When I'm on the road, everybody pull over. New rule, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, this is in a this is a oh God, what do they call those where the president just does something executive power? Executive order. Here's an executive order. The Dodgers, your payroll is now at max eighty million dollars. Have fun with that. I would just dissolve them and all the players could sign where they like. Executive order. Because Patrick Mahomes thinks he throws so cutesy left-handed, you now have to play the entire game left-handed. Boom. What else? Executive order. Everybody on the Packers has to sit out for a season. What? I'm trying to even that wouldn't don't work. Play? Even that wouldn't work. I'm trying to do something so that my Lions can actually win a football Aaron game. Aaron Rodwell, then every every NFL <sighs> team should dissolve. And- uh, executive order. The the Lions' first string quarterback is right-handed Patrick Mahomes, and their backup is Josh Allen. That's it. New executive I don't orders. Live in that world, Brett. Be a great world for me, though. Yeah, really would be. Don't worry, I'll do some stuff for you. I'll be like, oh, student loans—they're gone. Why? College is free now. Oh, you professors have tenure. You'll be fine. How much money do you really need to teach gym in college? You know what I mean? Like, I'd be a hell of a president. Guys, I promise you, if you vote for me, Lions-Broncos-Super Bowl, I will force it to happen. Force it. And then I'll just let the game play. Let the best man win. But that will be our Super Bowl. Is that still with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen on the bench? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I need to make it even somehow. Can you somehow. fix Russell Wilson's partially torn lat at least? No, no, I can't do that. I'm, Marty, I'm not a miracle worker. I said I'm the president, not Jesus. I can't heal people. What do you want from me? You know what? Executive order, I'm now Jesus. <laughs> That's, could you imagine if a president actually did that? Executive order, call me the Messiah for the rest of my presidency. All right, um, so a few things here. Texture says lines would still suck. Yeah, I don't even think my executive orders would help that team. They're terrible. So a couple of things here. I'm sorry, did you have one other thing to say? Yeah, about how my- many points did they score this week? <laughs> <laughs> Against Bailey Fizzee? Uh The answer was zero. They scored as much as you and me did. Uh-huh. Anywho, moving on. Couple of things I want to mention. First of all, the MLB playoffs. A lot of people are taking this opportunity, Marty, to look at the Cardinals and point and laugh. I'm sure you saw about 15 of these tweets over the weekend, Marty. Rockies playoff wins since the Arenado trade. Zero. Arenado playoff wins since the trade. Zero. That isn't the own you guys think it is, okay? You want to know why? Because making the playoffs and having at least the opportunity was his entire reason for going there. And they've done that. Now, haven't won games. And I'm not saying you can't sit back and laugh. 
That's totally cool. But let's not make this a Rockies-Cardinals-Arnado thing because the Cardinals get to win that battle. And I'm not going to concede my insults over to one side. I mean, is it not the easiest comeback in the world? Marty, pretend I'm a Cardinals fan. Talk trash to me about the Arnado trade. Go ahead. Uh, how many uh, playoff wins y'all have? Uh, yeah, your team sucks. Mine's good. Oh, crap. You got me. <laughs> yeah, it was, I didn't even really have to think about it either. It was very, very simple. You guys can't even win a division. <laughs> Playoffs, you set at home. In fact, you checked out of baseball in about May. I actually had a fun season watching baseball. Like, it's that easy. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do that. But really, though, Nolan is, what, hitting 152 in all the playoffs he's played in? Mm-hmm. That's a real problem for him. Sure. He also is there. Like, the way that people did this, and baseball is so damn difficult to really, truly evaluate individuals because, Marty, Mike Trout is one of the best baseball players I've ever seen, and he never makes the playoffs. Is that Mike Trout? Like, are we really doing the quarterback wins thing with individual baseball players? And I get it. Arenado's not played well. No, I'm just, it's plate appearances. He's, he's hitting 152. Fine. Whatever fine. about the wins, he's not getting on base. You know, I remember them doing this with A-Rod, though. Remember A-Rod couldn't play in the playoffs, and he wasn't clutch, and he sucked until he dropped like 15 bombs in one postseason run, and the Yankees won the World Series, and then we just went, oh, well, you know who's really bad in the postseason is David Price. And then David Price had bad postseasons until he didn't, and he, like, won the Red Sox World Series. Then we said, oh, well, Arenado's the guy who sucks in the postseason. That, we just move on to the next guy very conveniently. And I told you before, I don't hate Arenado. I don't. I get why he left. Do you not see it? So he sucks in the playoffs. He's there. Would he be there if he was still in Colorado? That's the point. Well, he, the whole reason he left is because he wanted to play in the playoffs. He played in, well, I guess it was two wild card games and a series against Milwaukee, mm -hmm. and he didn't do anything. I know, but he was there. You know what I mean? That's, again, when it comes down to Rockies fan talking trash to Cardinals fan about losing in the postseason again, you don't win that one. Like, if you were a team in football that went 2-15, and 15, let's say the Broncos go 2-15, and 15, and the Chiefs lose their divisional round playoff game, you don't get to talk trash to the Chiefs. It's not allowed. Now I'm talking about when he was here. He had, I don't know, like 20 plate appearances when he was here in the playoffs, and he sucked in all of them. All right, so let me ask the fundamental question, Marty. Are the Rockies better or worse with him gone? They are worse with him gone. Okay. It's just his argument is like, I want to be in the playoffs. Well, you were. You were in the playoffs when you were on the Rockies, and you didn't produce. The, okay, fine. And you continue to not produce. So suck it. <laughs> okay. I mean, Mar Marty is now. I don't uh, want to put one in the numbers, but it's just like you talk all this trash about, I want to be in the playoffs, and then you, you, don't, you are, and then you don't do anything. Okay. He's one of my favorite players, but that part pisses me off. But what's the first thing that he said? 
I want to be in the playoffs. He's not trying to suck. I'm sure he's pissed about the way that he's played, but he has the opportunity is the point. That's it. It's like I wanted the opportunity to do it. He's got it there. He would never have had it here. And I don't even know when the next time I could hope for that to come is. What did you think of this MLB format? They changed it this year. You get three games instead of the one. Look, it's better. It makes more sense. And this is my argument from the beginning. Like, I totally get the people that are like, a one-game wild card for playoff teams after a 162-game season is really dumb. And it is. But also, that one-game wild card was so entertaining. I did not watch these games like I did the wild. Like, I would make a point to view the one-game wild cards because it's just like it's immediate. Everything's on the line. Amazing television. It's still good. It sucked we only got one winner-take-all from four series. Right. right. And I did actually, I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't have a hatred of the Padres yet, Marty. Like, I don't, I don't hate them. I should. They're spending a whole bunch of money. They're basically the Dodgers, but they don't feel that way. And I took the light in Mets fans being mad. I did. That far outweighed the opposite, which is even though divisional team wins, I like to see New York mad. I do. Especially because Mets Mets fans with... They're one of those teams, they're like really bad all the time. They got good for a second, and then they immediately went to talking trash. And it's like, you need to chill out for a second. I'd be like... Marty, if there ever comes a day that the Lions go like 11 and 6 and I start walking up to Packers fans and being like, bleep you, we rule, you suck, and you know this is coming. You gotta know it's coming. Um, again, I want to talk about some, some Av stuff here in a little bit because Bednar had something really interesting about the second line center spot that we're going to see how this plays out, but he's got a He's got a plan for it, and we'll discuss it here in just a little bit with their opening game being on Wednesday, but can we take a look around the NFL, please? Starting with the London game, I can't believe the Giants are 4-1. I can't believe it, that they beat the Packers in a game like that. They outscore the Packers 14-2. It should have been 14-0 because they took the safety themselves towards the end of the game, basically held them scoreless in the second half, and they win 27-22. I'm impressed with the Giants, dude. I'm impressed with Brian Dable. He's unlocked that thing that they've been trying to find with Saquon Barkley for years. And Barkley looks great now. So kudos to him. They're 4-1. The Packers are 3-2. and two. Uh, The Bills smashed the Steelers. I'm not even going to say anything about the game. Josh Allen had like 370 yards at four touchdowns at half. And the game once again ended with him in a baseball hat on the sidelines. Yeah, when it's 38-3, to you can kind of do that with your starting quarterback. So they are now 4-1. and one. The Steelers are 1-4. I told you a little bit about the Chargers game. I thought that they blew it. Like, Brandon Staley made a horribly dumb decision at the end of the game to go for it on fourth down on your own side of the field when you're up two. They fail. Browns get a 54-yard field goal attempt. They miss it, so the Chargers end up winning the 3-2 and two on the year. The Browns are 2-3. and three. Vikings beat the Bears 29-22. to A couple of touchdowns for Dalvin Cook. Another 154 yards for Justin Jefferson. I still don't know what to make of Minnesota, Marty. I know they're okay. They're pretty good. I just don't know how good they are. But they're 4-1. and 
I have a hard time ever trusting Kirk Cousins with anything. That's the thing, too. It's it, I don't know what to do with them. It could be 10 and 1. I'd be like, nah, nah I, don't try, I don't buy it. 4-1 start the year on top of their division. The Bears are 2-3. The Patriots waxed the Lions 29-0. That was the number one scoring offense in the league heading into that week, and the Patriots shut them out. A big, fat zero with Who was, Bailey Zappi. Yeah, who's quarterbacking the Patriots? Uh, Bailey F- F- Frizzy. What, what did Mosher <laughs> say? Fizzy. Fizzy. Uh, no, Patriots win that game, dominate that game 29-0. They're 2-3. and three. The Lions 1-4 on the year. Saints in a wild game against the Seahawks. Taysom Hill comes in, Marty. He scores four touchdowns. A passing touchdown, three rushing. He was taking kick returns. It's that random game every year that happens where Taysom Hill does a little bit of everything. And it worked. And they're like, here's a raise next week. You know what? The Seahawks now for the second week have put together a whole lot of points. Like, Geno Smith looks pretty damn good at three touchdowns in that game. But they lose. The Saints are 2-3 and three now with the win. The, the Seahawks are 2-3 and three with the loss. Um, Jets-Dolphins. So Teddy Bridgewater gets a start. He has a concussion. He gets taken out. And then it was Skylar Thompson, the third-string quarterback, comes in. And the Jets roll. 40-17. to 17. They win as Zach Wilson didn't do all that much, but obviously enough for them to get that big win over the Dolphins. Both teams are 3-2. This game infuriated everybody. How on earth... Do the refs in the Falcons-Bucks game call that roughing the passer? It's one thing to protect quarterbacks, Marty. It's another thing that you're completely making a set of rules that say you can't tackle Tom Brady. That was a tackle. He had him. He threw him to the ground because that's how you tackle people. Especially when, you know what, Marty? You can't put your weight on the quarterback either, so throwing him seems to be a way that you could avoid that. That was a chance for the Falcons to get the ball back down a touchdown. They call the penalty that basically ended the ball game. Bucks win 21 to 15. Here's the reasoning behind that as they had their little pool with the refs after the game. He said, what I had was the defender grab the quarterback while he was still in the pocket and unnecessarily throwing him to the ground. The hell does unnecessarily mean he's tackling That's the guy? Why tackle someone. Like, if that happens to a wide receiver, you don't even blink. You're like, yep, that's a tackle. That's how it looks. It's stupid. But the Bucks then win three and two on the year. The Falcons two and three. The Titans beat the Washington Commanders 21-17. Wentz marches them all the way down to the two-yard line. Marty throws a pick. Game over. Titans win. They're three and two. Commanders are now one and four. The Texans, the last winless team in the NFL, get their first win against Jacksonville in Jacksonville. 13 to six was the final score. Texans have actually a sneaky, like, decent defense, but they've just never held it together for all four quarters. They blow it at the end of games. Well, they held it together there. 13 to six win. They're now one, three and one on the year. The Jags are two and three. Niners roll the Panthers. The Panthers are terrible, dude. Baker Mayfield, sorry, this is it for you. You aren't getting any more starting gigs. Uh, that's done. Niners win 37 to 15. They're three and two. The Panthers one and four on the year. How about this? Cooper Rush just stepping in and winning another football game on the road at the Rams. The Rams are sub 500. They're two and three on the year. Ten points scored. That offense is a mess. 
Offensive line can't protect anybody. Micah Parsons is an absolute beast. He's an animal. Cowboys win 22 to 10. Um, good game here between the Eagles and the Cardinals. Cardinals trying to mount a comeback. Can't quite get there. They miss a uh, game-time field goal as uh, time expires. Eagles win 20 to 17. They're still unbeaten at 5-0 on the year. The Cardinals 2-3. And, and then the Sunday night game. Marty, uh, Justin Tucker's the best kicker in the history of the sport. I've never seen anything like this guy. 19 to 7, the Ravens win. Game winner from Justin Tucker from uh, I think it was shorter than 50 yards, but still. Game winner there. The it's Ravens right down the center, too. It's never any right doubt. down the middle. Oh, okay. That's that's good. Three and two are the Ravens, two and three are the Bengals. So cut the music for a second. For the last couple of minutes, can I tell you about a kicker? Allow me some time to talk about some special teams. Justin Tucker has now made his last, he made a 58-yard field goal early in that game, Marty. He's made his last 10 attempts from beyond 50 yards. Think about that for a second. That includes a 68-yarder to win a football game last year. He's made his last 10. But you know what's even more amazing than this? How many field goals do you think he's made in a row in the fourth quarter in overtime, dating back over the last few years? Wasn't it something crazy like 30 or 40 or something? 59 consecutive field goals made in the fourth quarter in overtime. That's winning and losing ball games. 59 for 59. I've never heard anything like that in my life. That he has not missed a single field goal when the pressure cooker is on for his last 59 attempts. There is no debate anymore. We are watching the greatest kicker who's ever lived in Baltimore right now. And you watch him, Marty. He's almost, he goes WWE wrestler afterwards because he's like, I, I am the greatest who's ever done something before. Like he gave that little look after he banged through another 58-yard field goal in that game yesterday. Um, unbelievable. And you know what? Every once in a while, you got to give a, kick, a kicker his flowers because we, we make fun of kickers for missing kicks all the time. Making 59 straight in the fourth quarter in overtime is remarkable. So, a lot to get to this morning. 303-504-0925. CSU finally won a football game over the weekend, by the way. So, that was nice to see. That also leaves CU as the only winless football team in college football. But we'll take the CSU win. Yes, thank you very much, Rammies. Nice job. Way to go after the bye week. A nice little W. Start off your second half of the season. So 303-504-0925 is the Champ Mazda text line. You can call the hotline if you would like. A lot to discuss this morning. We got the opener for the Avs here in just a couple of days with some comments from Jared Bednar that we'll get to in a little bit about that second-line center spot and how they're going to give one guy a real long look at that to try and take over. You can watch the show live on Twitch. Twitch.tv, search Altitude SR in the search bar of the Altitude TV simulcast. As I said, a ton to get to this morning. Mojo Lombardi and Kane starts next.
and Denver Sports Talk. Altitude Sports Radio. 92.5. Staples stores are a new world of possible with innovative tools for small business and remote workers and learners. Explore more at your local Staples store or staplesconnect.com. Hikers hiking on terrifically tended trails. Bikers blasting over big, bodacious boulders. Casual campers camping in captivating Colorado canyons. It's safe to say Coloradans know how to have fun. And they fund this kind of fun when they play the Colorado Lottery. That fantastic fly fishing, free jumping kind of fun. A whole $3.9 billion funded for outstanding outdoors kind of fun. And we celebrate this fun every October during